0: Welcome to the Global Energy and Environmental Law Podcast. Today is February 7th, 2018. My name is Mayanna Dellinger. I'm an Associate Professor of Law with the University of South Dakota School of Law. In this podcast, I interview attorney and activist Maya Van Rossum, who is the author of The Green Amendment, Securing Our Right to a Healthy Environment. This book discusses a pioneering new legal strategy to fight growing pollution problems, including drinking water contamination, air pollution, deforestation and climate change by adopting constitutional green amendments that guarantee a safe and healthy environment. Van Rossum is also the leader of the Delaware Riverkeeper Network, an organization that has successfully stalled fracking and pipeline development in the Northeast. The Delaware Riverkeeper Network initiated for the generations a project that provides a guide to creating an environmental rights amendment of the constitutions of every U.S. state. This veteran environmentalist used the constitution in Pennsylvania to take on and beat big fossil fuel industries and demonstrated how these amendments could change the legal landscape in relation to crises such as Flint, Keystone, and beyond. Van Rossum believes that environmental rights are a fundamental human right just like free speech and the right to private property. Maya, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Could you explain to the listeners what a green amendment is and how you think adding one of those in every state's constitution will help defend environmental protection initiatives?
1: A Green Amendment is a constitutional provision that's placed in the Bill of Rights section of a state constitution or the federal constitution that recognizes the right to clean water, clean air, and a healthy environment as an inalienable right, and as a result, protects that right the same way we honor and protect other fundamental freedoms that we hold dear, like, for example, the right to free speech, the right to freedom of religion, private property rights, other rights like that.
0: Mm-hmm. You're recommending that um, each state should adopt one of those and if you have, but um, how do you think, or why do you think it's better that each state adopt such an amendment or uh, do you think maybe protections at the federal level might work better?
1: So we need state constitutional provisions because they will oversee what is happening at the state level and in state governments. And we need a federal constitutional provision because that is what can and would oversee what the president is doing or the Congress is doing. So it's not one or the other. We really need both. And we need green amendments in every state constitution and then ultimately at the federal level. And we need green amendments because our current environmental laws and regulations are really failing us. And all anyone has to do is take a look at the headlines in the news, and you can see that. And These are just a few headlines that that a quick Google search called up for me. Air pollution is still killing people in the United States. Coke Industries plant pollutes streams, poisons residents. Which pollution is more deadly? China's air or West Virginia's water. So we can see from these headlines that, you know, the environmental laws that we have in place really are not doing the job of protecting water quality, clean air, the healthy forest and the healthy waters, uh, the healthy wetlands that we need to support healthy lives, healthy economies and the quality of our lives. If we had a constitutional provision, it would p- provide a higher level Of protection for our environment. And so even if a state governor or the president or the Congress said that their approval of some pollution discharge complied with every piece of legislation and every regulation on the books, if somebody who who would be harmed by that decision could come back and say, whoa, you're complying with the law. But By issuing the permits that allow that industrial operator to spew that pollution into the water or into the air, you would be devastating my life. You would be um, subjecting me to cancer-causing toxins, for example, Mm -hmm. and as a result, overstepping and violating my constitutional right Mm -hmm. to clean water and clean air. You now have a way to hold those government officials accountable. Because even though they've complied with the laws on the books, they haven't complied with their constitutional obligation to protect your right to clean water, clean air and a healthy environment. So it's a higher level of protection that umbrellas over everything we have in place today and really ensures that we are not just recognizing but protecting the right to a healthy environment as an inalienable right.
0: That's very interesting. And some countries have done just that, right? They have very strong uh, environmental protections in their constitutions. How do you think uh, lessons from some of those countries can be applied to us?
1: Yes, we do see that the United States of America is really way behind the times when it comes to recognizing and protecting environmental rights. And we do have other nations that recognize and protect the right to a healthy environment in their constitutions, and as a result are giving a heightened level of protection. But we actually don't have to look overseas to see the power and importance of actually having a constitutional provision. Here in the United States of America, we have two states that do have a green amendment um, on par with what I am talking about, the kind of Green Amendment that I'm talking about. That's the state of Pennsylvania and the state of Montana. And what we can see in recent years as a result of those Green Amendments, that we are getting higher, cons- uh, higher environmental protection as a result of those constitutional provisions in those two states. Other than those two, um, we don't have green amendments in states across the nation, and we certainly don't have one in the federal constitution. So there's plenty of opportunity to do more and to do better here in the United States of America.
0: And that's interesting. But do you think it's realistic uh, to hope for these changes in today's political climate that seems to be geared more right now, at least towards, you know, big business and you know profits, things like that? I think we are well primed
1: to pass green amendments in states across the nation and ultimately at the federal level. Because while we have people in the legislative halls at the state level and at the federal level that are very inclined to do whatever it takes to service big business and big industry and help them receive big profits at the expense of the rest of us and at the expense of our environment, we also have people across the nation who are experiencing the devastation of environmental contamination. The story of Flint, Mission it, Michigan is a perfect example where there the quality of the lo- water was sacrificed and people's healthy lives have been devastated and damaged, not just current day, but well into the future. The ch- Those children that have been impacted by that leg contamination will feel those ramifications well into their future. That is not a fair sacrifice. That is not an appropriate sacrifice. And that is a sacrifice of those children that I think everyone everyone is appalled by. We see those kinds of stories across the nation. And so while we may have legislators who want to service industry, real people in real communities across the nation recognize that a healthy environment is critical to their healthy lives and are willing and wanting to demand more. And unfortunately, our current president and our current Congress are really magnifying for many people across the nation how much, how much our environmental protection laws are failing us. Because the wholesale attack on the environment that is happening by the president and by the Congress right now, the rollback of critical environmental protections in service to the industry is really demonstrating. And all of that action and activity, by the way, is perfectly legal. um, It's happening.
0: Right.
1: While we have all of these environmental protection laws. So while it is absolutely legal, but it is absolutely immoral and wrong. And people can see that. And what a green amendment at the federal level would do would provide a critical and right now missing check on all of that power. And people can see that and recognize that. So the current attacks on the environment that we are seeing at the federal level is really just highlighting for people across the nation how important it is to have something more, to have something better. And I believe that something more and that something better are Green Amendments in our constitutions across the nation.
0: That sounds good. Can you discuss the constitutional approaches you're taking to protecting the environment in your day-to-day work life?
1: In the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, we actually have a Green Amendment of the kind that I'm talking about. It is a constitutional provision in the Bill of Rights section of the state constitution that recognize the people's right to pure water, clean air, and a healthy environment, and makes very clear the obligation of government to protect those environmental rights. The provision was actually passed decades ago, but was very early on. Um, suffered at the hands of an inappropriate supreme court decision which rendered that constitutional provision a mere statement of policy really robbed it of its substantive force and effect of law but back in but then later in 2012 the Pennsylvania legislature passed a devastating piece of legislation called Act 13 which was literally written by the drilling and fracking industry and then passed By the Pennsylvania legislature and act 13 did a lot of bad things, but amongst the bad things that it did was that it mandated that drilling and fracking operations be allowed to happen in every part of every community in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, including historic preservation areas, environmental protection areas, agricultural areas, even in our residential communities. In fact, Act 13 mandated that a drilling and fracking well pad be allowed to be built as close as 300 feet from people's homes. And that was by virtue of this state legislation by state law. After Act 13 was passed, we actually at the Delaware Riverkeeper Network, my organization, teamed up with seven towns to challenge that law. And the argument that the Delaware Riverkeeper Network brought to the table was that the passage of Act 13 and all of these provisions that it included violated the environmental rights amendment, the green amendment of Pennsylvania's constitution. And in reaction to that tremendous overreach by the industry and the Pennsylvania legislature in service to the fracking industry, And in recognition of how the Environmental Rights Amendment had in the past been um, inappropriately interpreted by previous iterations of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, the current Supreme Court at the time, that was in 2013, actually declared critical provisions of Act 13, the kinds of provisions that I just talked about, to be unconstitutional because they violated the environmental rights of the people of Pennsylvania. And suddenly the most devastating aspects of this law were unconstitutional and did not have any force and effect under the law anymore. And so we protected communities across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania because of the green amendment that we had in Pennsylvania. And it was almost as if that green amendment that Pennsylvania has only got passed in 2013 because we had had 42 years where it had been ignored because of bad legal precedent coming out of the Supreme Court earlier. But in 2013, the Supreme Court reinterpreted the provision, breathed legal life into it. And as a result, we provided critical protections to communities across the Commonwealth. And ever since that decision, we have been using the Green Amendment of Pennsylvania to further strengthen and enhance the constitutional right to a healthy environment that the people of Pennsylvania now have.
0: That sounds great. Your initiatives are mainly legal ones it sounds like. Can you talk to us about what who some of your allies are and I don't know if I would say you have any, you know, enemies but you know who's pushing back against these steps that you're taking legally and who are your legal allies?
1: So at the Delaware Riverkeeper Network we we do a lot of litigation, but all of our litigation is preceded by strong advocacy and grassroots organizing and trying to get communities informed and engaged in fighting for protecting for their healthy environments. And it's only when our advocacy fails us mm-hmm. um, and we find ourselves in a situation where we have a law that was misinterpreted or misapplied by government agencies that we will then take the step to um, proceed with litigation. And that's what happened in the action, in the, um, action against Act 13. We had tried through our advocacy and our grassroots organizing to prevent the passage of Act 13, but there was so much industrial power and lobbyists, industrial lobbying power behind that provision that our advocacy efforts failed us. And so we had no option left, but to go to the courts and use litigation, which turned out to be a really wonderful opportunity, frankly, because it allowed us to breathe this legal life into the long-ignored Green Amendment of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And as a result, I am now going across the nation advocating for the passage of Green Amendments in states across the nation and hope to ultimately have that lead to a movement for a federal constitutional provision. The opposition, I think, is obvious. It's industrial operators, it's frackers, it's drillers, it's developers who don't want to develop in the right way. They just want to develop how they want to develop, regardless of the flood impacts or the drought impacts or the other devastating harms that, that result from inappropriate development in the wrong places. So, but it is pretty hard, you know, for those kinds of opponents to to find themselves on solid ground advocating against the green amendment. Because after all, who wants to be the person that's saying that your child or my child doesn't have the right to a clean, healthy glass of water out of their household faucet, or doesn't have the right to be able to take in a breath of air and not find themselves overcome with an asthma attack because of the pollution in that air. You know, in industrial operators, um. You know are, in many instances, rightfully too embarrassed to take mm-hmm. that position publicly. So they tend to do it behind closed doors, but mm-hmm. there are plenty there, you know, there are p- plenty of, of opponents, but I think there are many more people mm-hmm. who want to rise up together and secure their, their right. Not just a law to um, talk about environmental protection, but a real recognition that we as people here on this earth have a fundamental, inalienable, inherent right to a clean and healthy environment, and that we want and deserve to have that right both recognized and protected at the highest levels of the, of the law. The way we protect our right to free speech and freedom of religion. So I think we can overcome the opposition with this Green Amendment movement uh, mm-hmm. once we get that ball rolling.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, and uh, pushing back a little bit or playing the devil's advocate a little bit about what you're saying, surely even some of these bigger industrial developers and you know the people behind it also surely want a clean environment, clean water to drink themselves and so forth, And uh, don't you think? So it's maybe matter a mat- more of a matter of them you know, primarily maybe protecting corporate inster- interests and profits and so forth, but if you ask each individual person privately, don't you think that he or she would also agree that, you know, we, we all want a clean environment and safe water and so forth? Um,
1: I agree with you absolutely, and I've had myself, I've I found myself plenty of time sitting across the table from some developer or industrial operator and heard them say just that very sincerely. I have children. I want clean water and clean air, too. Um, But that's not what we're talking about, they will say to me. But the fact of the matter is in that moment, in those negotiations, at that table, that is actually exactly what we're talking about. Unfortunately, um, While they are very interested in having clean water and clean air for themselves and their children, they are also very willing to pursue industrial operations that result in pollution that will sacrifice some other family's child or some (laughs) other family's heir so that they can pursue their corporate profits. And that's just immoral and wrong. So absolutely, we all need clean water, clean air, and a healthy environment. And that's why it's so striking to me when I do find myself in these situations where there's some industrial operator, some driller, or some fracker, or some developer who is so willing and wanting to pursue a project that will result in increasing pollution that will devastate other people's lives just so that they can make more profits for themselves, their executives, or their shareholders. I mean, it's just fundamentally wrong. And the fact of the matter is, if we pursue our business practices in a way that is environmentally protective and environmentally sensitive, we can accomplish our development goals, our energy goals, um, uh, we can accomplish all of our goals yeah. while at the same time protecting our environment and not just protecting our environment, but enhancing our economies and enhancing jobs. Energy is a perfect example of that. If you pursue fracking for gas from shale, you devastate people's drinking water supplies, you pollute the air with hazardous air pollutants, you destroy the quality of life of the communities where that drilling and fracking is happening because of that pollution, because of the 24 seven noise, light pollution that happens because of those industrial operations. Um, You wreak havoc on the community and on, in terms of releasing climate-changing emissions that will impact future generations, all to create more profits um, under the guise of creating more energy for our nation. But if you were to instead invest that same money in a clean energy um, pathway, in a clean energy solution, you would not only create the energy you need, But you would also protect the water and protect the air and protect quality of of life in those communities. And you would actually also create more jobs, more sustainable jobs, more enduring jobs. There's lots of research to show that for every million dollars invested in a clean energy strategy versus a dirty fossil fuel strategy like fracking for gas, you create three to five times the number of jobs. Mm-hmm. So it really is a win-win-win. You can have good energy, all the energy you need, you can have a healthy environment, you can strengthen and enhance local jobs and local economies. Mm-hmm. Um and, and be on a mudder, much better pathway for protecting both present generations and future generations all the way around than if you hop on that dirty fossil fuel path. And you have a story, there is a similar story like that, whether you're talking about development or you're talking about creating materials or products or you name it. If you do it the environmentally responsible way, you will accomplish your goal and protect the environment and make profits all at the same time.
0: And I agree completely that uh, there's a lot of science and research showing that uh, what you're just saying right now is true. But it's so difficult, isn't it Maya, to make a lot of people realize that just because people don't hear these facts. How are you helping through your work uh, people understand the, the theories or the facts behind all this? I know you've written a guide that is called For the Generations. Does that help in that uh, with that objective or how else do you, do you bring your message across?
1: So when we first had the dramatic success in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and I really saw the power and importance of advancing this concept of a Green Amendment movement and securing Green Amendments in every state across the nation and ultimately at the federal level, I um, did offer to speak to any community who wanted to listen at my own expense to talk about the state of our environment to talk about the power of Green Amendments, to talk with them about their local issues and how a Green Amendment could help them. We created a toolkit and a website called ForTheGenerations.org and tried to create as many materials and as much access as possible to to help people on this Green Amendment path. It did become clear to me, though, that something more was needed to really spread the message as far and as wide as is needed to really get this Green Amendment movement happening. And so that's why I wrote the book, The Green Amendment, Securing Our Right to a Healthy Environment, because in that book, I really try to take people through this whole story of how environmental protection laws have helped us, but also how they're failing us and how passage of Green Amendments could bring us to a brighter, healthier, safer Future, So I now have this book and I still make the offer to any community who is interested that I will happily come to their community to to speak with with them and their um, friends and their neighbors about the power and importance of this approach to environmental protection. So on the Green Amendment front. That, you know, people can learn how to how to how to ha- invite me to come um, speak in their communities by going to either forthegenerations or going to myavanrossum And both places, you have a pathway to to get in touch with me, and I'll provide all the assistance that I can, including again coming to your community to to speak about the issue. But also day to day as the Delaware Riverkeeper. My day-to-day work really is working with communities to protect the mainstem Delaware River and all the tributary streams that feed it. Mm -hmm. And so I go into communities, I help them get organized, I help them learn how to testify, I I help them get access to scientific data and information, I help them to understand the law, and really put that all together in an effective advocacy campaign that they can use to protect their communities from whatever impending environmental harm they are facing, whether it's drilling and fracking, or a pipeline project, or a compressor station, inappropriate development, or any kind of industrial operations that would um, harm the quality of their lives, the quality of their environment, and their own health and safety.
0: Great. And do you see that as the two main ways that ordinary Americans can defend their right to a clean environment, namely advocacy campaigns, as you mentioned, and potentially followed up by legislation? Or is there anything else people can do? Uh, I, people
1: really have to get involved in one way or another. Um, t- people have different levels of capacity for you know, how much time they can invest or how much of their selves they feel that they can invest in getting involved in environmental protection. Um, But there is a role for everyone, regardless of of what the opportunity is for you on a day-to-day basis to actually get involved. What I really recommend to people is um, begin by seeing what's happening in your own community. Look at your community website, read the local newspaper, try to identify an environmental issue or an environmental threat or an environmental concern that resonates with you. Because some people are more concerned about the air and some people are more concerned about the animals, for example. Some people are more concerned about the the threat to their children. Some people are more concerned about bigger picture, um, things like climate change and the threat to future generations and the future of the earth. So people need to just identify that threat or concern that's playing out in their own community or their own state that resonates with them. And they need to then learn about that issue, get involved with their local organization, and take advantage of any of the opportunities to get involved that their local organization's are making available to them. Sometimes it might be writing an extensive letter expressing your concerns. Sometimes it might be testifying at a hearing. Sometimes it might be writing an opinion piece. Sometimes it might just be making um, a few phone calls over the course of five or 10 minutes to tell a legislator how you want them to vote on a particular issue. And sometimes it might just be making a meaningful donation in terms of your own budget, whether that's $10 or $100, to the local organization um, that's working on this issue to help them carry forth the good works and the good messages that you believe in. There really is, there's time and opportunity for everyone. People just have to figure out what that means for them and find a way to meaningfully get involved.
0: Great, that sounds good. Maya, do you want to once again mention the two websites you mentioned before?
1: So, if people want to learn more about the Green Amendment movement um, and how to seek and secure Green Amendments in their state or to get in touch with me so I can talk with them about this issue and come out to their community to speak, they can go to either For the Generations, that's F O R, For the Generations.org or Maya Van Both of those websites have resources for folks to get informed, engaged, and connected with this very important issue. And one thing that's really important for um, people to know, at least important to me, is that I don't make any profits. I don't get a single dime from any book that is sold as part of all of this work. Every penny goes back to advancing the Green Amendment movement and protecting our environment. So it's just personally important um, to me that people understand that. So just buying the book helps advance the good cause for the environment.
0: Great. Maya, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you.
0: Sure. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Global Energy and Environmental Law podcast. You've been listening to Maya Van Rossum, who discussed how to potentially incorporate an environmental right amendment into the constitutions of every American state.